Welcome to How I Got Here, the inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hi, uh, welcome to another episode of How I Got Here. This is uh, FocusWire and Mozio Group's uh, uh, weekly podcast where we interview entrepreneurs and uh, dare we say on this occasion, famous founders in travel tourism and uh, uh, hospitality. This is a special edition because we're here at the, uh, the Focus Right conference and this is the first one of our uh, podcast that I guess is a vodcast and we're doing it on video for the first time with normally audio. So uh, our guest, normally we give a little bit of an introduction, but the fact that people can see you and you are who you are, I don't think you need much more than an introduction than to say, um, Steve Calford, CEO and co-founder of TripAdvisor, welcome to How I Got Here. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Okay, so uh, I'm Kevin May, for those of you who don't know, and this is David Litwack, uh, my my usual co-host. So we always start with the first question, which is as succinctly, and I I guess because your history is so long and broad, how how did you get here? Sure. So I'm not sure how succinctly I can do this, but the story is a fun one. Uh, It was back in like 1998 or something, and I was trying to figure out where to go on vacation. Right. So vacation is, was, is, will be a precious time for everyone. And so I uh, wanted to go somewhere. Now, uh, what did one do back in 98? Well, you might have opened up a guidebook, or more likely you went to a travel agent. And that's what we did, a travel agent. Uh, a week somewhere warm. We live in Boston, Mexico, good location. Got a handful of brochures from this agent with a... Uh, what I thought, you know, three beautiful brochures. These were resorts that I was, I knew I would have a great time at. There was a really expensive one, a moderately priced one, and a inexpensive one. And, you know, I work for a living, so I, I was going with that inexpensive one, of course. Can yeah. I ask, what were you doing at the time? What was your job at the time? I, I was uh, head of engineering for a software development firm. Okay, right. Uh, nothing to do with travel, nothing to do okay. with the internet. I. Uh, and I didn't take a lot of vacation. So again, this was a precious week and it was a hard earned money. So I wanted to make sure I, I got my money's worth and the pictures, the brochure pictures looked beautiful. I, uh, my wife, the, the smarter one in the family would say, hey, let's make sure that that place that we're gonna go spend this week at uh, is good. Why don't you use the internet and, find, and read something about it? So I did, I had a great idea. Went online, looked for the name of the resort, found a zillion hits, all of which unfortunately had the low-res version of the brochure picture that I already had right. and a phone number to call and make a reservation, totally useless. It's so like, again, 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 finally I found, like literally it was the backwaters of GeoCities homepages. Somebody had written the precursor to a blog about their vacation at this place with the proverbial pictures of the back of the resort, not the front of the resort not the photoshopped ones. This was the real ones. And the real ones said, I was not going to be happy there. Or as my wife put it, I would not be married if we ended up going there. So uh, uh, we mentally upgraded ourselves, uh, went to the moderate place, had a fabulous time, came back and thought, wow, you know, that was an expensive purchase, almost made a terrible mistake. It was a pain in the neck to find what I was looking for on the internet at the time. Hmm, maybe there's a better way to do something. 
what if we created a travel search engine, not a general search engine, but a travel search engine that would just find me those backwater pages, those insights, the opinions, not the facts, but the opinions of what other travelers found. And so uh, I took a little while to get that idea off the ground, but finally we started. And the notion was truly a search engine that would search what was already out on the web, find information, biased information, opinionated information, pull it back into a central database, and then license it as a B2B model to other travel providers, because we weren't going to build a consumer site, heaven, heavens no. Uh, and, uh, and that would be a great business, and nobody would be silly enough to try to copy us at that, because that was a behind-the-scenes hard problem to solve. And if we did that, we could kind of power all the travel sites. Great business model. So um, before David can chime in, how did you meet Langley? So uh, uh, having the idea is one thing, and as all entrepreneurs will tell you, having the idea, sitting on it, baking it, doing whatever research you want to do, but then pulling the trigger to say, I'm actually going to leave my job and do this, that's a whole nother level of commitment. I had made that commitment uh, in part because I didn't want to do what I was doing before. And okay. I thought this was a pretty good idea. Uh, and uh, and then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm looking around for a team. Like, what do I like doing the most? Uh, I was a software engineer by training, so I actually kind of like coding and the business elements of putting together a website. But the, the, the fundraising stuff, uh, <laughs> press stuff, uh, there's a whole bunch of areas that I would do if I had to, but if I could find a co-founder who liked that stuff, uh, a, a nice friend of ours uh, introduced Langley to myself, uh, and like he wanted to do something internet, maybe marketplace-like, travel was a good category. Neither one of us came from travel as, mm. uh, as our backgrounds, and the natural divide that so often foils young companies was perfect in our case because he loved to do the stuff that I didn't care to do and he wasn't an engineer by training so we didn't have to have any arguments about how to build it. So if if I'm not mistaken, uh, well obviously you guys pivoted to being a B2C company eventually and um, we um, interview a lot of people on this podcast who go the opposite direction. It's almost kind of like a joke that everyone starts B2C, thinks they can make it B2C, ends up in B2B, and if you're lucky, you might end up back in B2C one day. Um, and it seems like you are the exception to that rule. I'm curious, why Why did your B2B business not work, and what ended up, what was the impetus for the pivot? Sure. So, so we started as a company in February of 2000, right after some of the biggest high-profile dot-com companies went poof. And so all that money spent to get the eyeballs, well, turned out to not have real sustainable business models. So we were smarter than those guys going after the B2C. We were going straight B2B because you didn't have any customer acquisition cost. You had one biz dev person, well, that was Langley to begin with, who could go and cut these deals. Uh, and we built, we built the product and uh, we, we ended up adding users' ability to write their own reviews. That was a nice little test that seemed to work out pretty well. More on that later. Uh, uh, And we had a demo.tripadvisor.com that we could point our partners to is, look, this is all the rich content that you could have on your own site with your own brand. 
Uh, and by 2001, so we started in February 2000. By 2001, mid-year, we kind of still didn't have any clients. Lots I, I, I was just going to ask, how many clients did you have? We haven't you'd... closed a deal yet, darn it. And then, and then it was a big celebratory day in the company. We closed Lycos. Now, the audience may not know That's Lycos. That's a name we haven't heard for a long time. Exactly. It was like the number three most trafficked internet site in yeah. 2001. Uh, uh, it was Yahoo and AOL and Lycos. Those were the big three. And we nailed it. Like, we got to power most of the travel section on Lycos. All of those page views, all of those ad impressions. We didn't have to sell any of those impressions. That was Lycos' sales job. All we had to do was provide the content. Okay. Excellent. We worked hard on the integration, came out pretty nice. Uh, and then we waited for that quarterly royalty check. And we had internal bets in the company. Hey, uh, I can tell you, our, our burn rate was, uh, was I think, $70,000, no, probably about $100,000 a month at the time. So pretty low burn rate. And like, How many staff did you have at that point? Just to- A dozen, 15. Okay. Small company. Uh, and so the question is, would Lycos cover a third of our burn, half of it? Probably not the whole thing. Okay. But if it covered half, and then we landed Expedia and AOL and Yahoo, then we'd be in the black, and that's, that's, uh, yeah. And the rest would be history. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> in, I guess today, thank God that didn't happen, yeah. but uh, instead of being a $35,000 monthly check or a $50,000 monthly check, it was $500 for the quarter. And wow. we realized uh, that, wow, this 50-50 rev share deal we had had with Lycos was essentially a rev share on the remnant inventory and, of course, all their house ads. Well, a house ad is zero, so 50% is zero. I didn't get, get us anything. But the lesson to us was it was so starkly a failure that... Hey, I didn't care what else was in our B2B pipeline. That wasn't going to happen. What next? Yeah. And so the company just pivoted on a dime to figure out what else we could do. Oh, by the way, I should mention that around this time, September 11, 2001. Okay. The travel industry grinds to a halt. Horrific time for the whole country. And if you were in the travel space, it was like... You really didn't want to pick up the phone call from a new startup trying to pitch you something. So we did a couple of really quick pivots. Uh, what could we do to make some money? We tried a directory style, Yahoo or LookSmart directory. Again, if you're as old as I, you might remember those names. And they charge businesses a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks to, like, yeah, that didn't work. We tried CPM ads. Yeah, that didn't work. Great business for us now did not work when we had the amount of traffic we had. There. Right. Uh, and then eventually we stumbled on a cost per click model. Uh, but, you know, we were, we were just shy of going out of business. So how far off would you say you were then? How close was it to you just kind of throwing in the towel? Uh, six months. Okay. And I literally, I went to the board and said, uh, our old business model failed. People like the site, the demo site, but it's like, I get two choices. I can give everyone back what's left of the money, or you can say, hey, go ahead and try it. You know, see if you can find something, because we didn't have much of a plan. 
And the board said, basically, if we're going to write off our investment, I'm, I'm happy to write off 100% as opposed to 90%. So go ahead, see if you can find something. And we tried those other business models. And then we landed on what you now think of as a you know, Google search or a cost per click. GoTo had goto.com and pioneered it. And on a hotel page on TripAdvisor, you could read what other people said about the hotel. And there was a link there that said, uh, check prices of the Marriott Marquis Hotel on Expedia. And it was a deep link to Expedia. And Expedia was a great client. They didn't care who we were. They didn't need to meet anyone. They didn't need any face-to-face -face anything. They just wanted to know, hey, did the tracking code on that click that you sent over convert in a good enough percentage to bookings of which we will pay you a percentage? The answer was yes. Boom. We had revenue. So obviously the TripAdvisor logo slapped on every single restaurant and hotel around the world. And I feel like your brand you know, for the last 15 to 20 years has been around being an impartial review site. And you're starting to go more, that's very horizontal, you've been starting to go more vertical. Uh, and I'm curious, is how has that affected your brand? Have you, have you thought of like how it repositions uh, the TripAdvisor trip brand in the mind of consumers? Uh, back then or? Now, now like now. in the last four to five years, you've acquired Viator and you guys have been going deeper and selling content with TripConnect. Yeah, and so to some degree, we always had hotels and B&Bs on our platform that weren't bookable because yeah. we couldn't find anyone that could take an online booking for them. And sometimes they would rank number one in a city. Yeah. It's like, hey, you have a great property. You're providing a great service to our consumers that are looking to stay there. We don't make any money on it. Oh, well, the whole model works. So the fact that we had some bookings for hotels with a Marriott or an Expedia, that didn't seem to be a problem. In fact, consumers liked the ability to know whether the darn place was available. Similarly, we always had as many attractions and restaurants as we could find. They're all rated impartially. But now you can make a reservation at some of those restaurants. You can book some of those tours. And so I think our audience over the years really didn't care whether we were like potentially biased by selling something. We always posted the good reviews. We always posted the bad reviews. Everyone could always find a bad review of anything on our site. So that trust like built up from day one and has stuck with us. When we survey our audience, we're more trusted than anyone else. Makes sense, we, we don't screw around there. I, I'm interested, can we go back when you, you, know, you flipped over to do the, the B2C, you know, the TripAdvisor that we now know, TripAdvisor.com. When did, after that, when did it suddenly go whoosh for you? What was the point when you suddenly well, thought, oh, wow, this is something, there's something really in this. I know you mentioned, ref, you referenced Expedia and they were I happy mean, because of the tracking. Pretty quick, we went from November 2001 at zero revenue. December, we did about 10,000 in revenue. March, we did north of 70,000, which was our break-even point. And so literally from Q2 of 2002, we were profitable every quarter ever since. It just kept going up. And... The pivot to B2B, no, B2B was just dead. We yeah. went B2C. And if you put your focus on, all right, now I need to attract customers. Search engines were still growing. We benefited from, from that growth. We had a site that was fresh content, unique, that people liked. Well, back then and today, that's what search engines is generally like. Weird. 
maybe follow up question. I've seen actually a bunch of people try to monetize content in B2B over the last five years and they haven't you know, succeeded or they've been very, very small successes. Um, what do you think is different about the content and review market uh, that B2C seems to be the way forward uh, and that which just defies every other part of the travel industry? Well, I like who's the audience and who's paying. So when you license content in a B2B situation, you have a publisher that's paying you. Uh, if it's a book publisher, I mean, you're selling copies of a book. I mean, th- there aren't a, a lot of models that, that I've seen that can make that a really big number. When you have the ability to publish content that advertisers want to be near, well, now you have TV programming and all sorts of media and the advertisers paying for all of that. And those are some hugely successful models. Something about that extra link like, of the chain seems to make it impossible, though. Where are the dollars, right? Yeah. So you have big brands that have huge branding budgets. Yeah. If those people are willing to pay for the eyeballs that you can bring, you've got a market. Our trick was that we didn't have to pay tens of thousands of writers to create all of this content. Users voluntarily gave it. Frankly, not for us. They wanted to pay it forward to the next traveler. And so now you have you know, 8 million points of interest, hotels, restaurants, attractions, each with gazillions of photos and reviews, all of which make it a pretty interesting site to go to to, to research something, yeah. to plan something, which pulls in massive number of eyeballs. And so now it's just a media where we didn't have to spend a lot to, to build the content. I, I remember one of the first times we met, which would probably be 2006, 2007. And uh, you just launched in the UK. And I think I came over here for what, it was about six months later. And I came over here and we had our first kind of formal interview. And it was, because it was new in the UK, there was some of the inevitable press in the UK, the downbeat tabloids that we have talking about it was a, you know, a site for people to rant on and and I, I remember you saying to me that people were doing it for, almost for altruistic reasons that they, because they wanted to share good experiences and you found that that the, a lot of the re- most of the reviews were positive mm-hmm. because people wanted to share a good ex- a good experience rather than just using it as almost in like a, a blog to moan about something did you have concerns back then that it would become something more than a, a platform for people to moan about properties rather than share the goodness uh, not all of us but some of us myself included yeah. were absolutely concerned about exactly that right and if you look at a guidebook which i read with a critical eye as we were starting the company I'm like you can't find anything bad all you can find is less than glowing hmm. <laughs> so Uh, that's one extreme that users were used to. And then there were some other sites out there that were specifically for people to complain about stuff. You know, some of the names maybe didn't exist back then, but, you know, Rotten Tomatoes as a name, that that doesn't invoke a positive connotation. It's not juicy tomatoes. Or something, you know, blankcompany.com, if you recall, was another, like, not a place to go give a, a balance. And so... Well, we said, look, we'll, we'll try it. We'll see what happens. And uh, sure enough, people were quite balanced. A lot of positive reviews, a lot of negative reviews. 
And then the self-selection probably kicked in too, right? If I'm on TripAdvisor, I'm reading the reviews, I'm not going to stay at a dump. I'm going to stay at a nice place. So I'm likely to come back and write a nice review. So more of the reviews are on more of the nicer places. Statistically, it may not be an accurate representation in aggregate, but we're good with that because the people that come to TripAdvisor want the truth. They're getting the truth, and then they're staying at the best places that are right for them. I had a quick question that I I feel like our startup entrepreneur listeners would be interested in. Um, For anyone trying to sell their company, they're usually told uh, that most big companies are not interested in small acquisitions. Uh, $50 million, $100 million is is kind of what most big companies are before for a corp dev department to even look at it. I feel like you have the opposite strategy. You've done a lot of 5, 10, 15, $25 million acquisitions, at least. Most of them aren't even publicly disclosed, but by the the fact of, you know, what you can kind of piece together, they're most of them small. What is your acquisition strategy? I, so, I, yeah, I, I, I guess I do have a very different perspective on acquisitions. I suppose if you're General Electric and you need to find your next billion dollar business, you can't start small and grow it. Things just don't grow that quickly. You need to buy something that is already big that you can that you can scale with whatever synergies or no synergies and just you own another so business. So the example there would be the Viator acquisition, really. So uh, for yeah. us, that was the outlier in we, that, yeah. we bought a number of small companies, sometimes just for the team, sometimes because uh, you know, we bought TravelPod. It was a travel blogging site. Yeah. I didn't really know if blogging, travel blogging was going to be the next wave that would overrun reviews or not. But here was a great team and we bought it and we could play in the travel blogging space with a separate brand and we tried integrating those blogs onto TripAdvisor and no one seemed to care so all right so we didn't do that and that team eventually started to do some other even more valuable stuff for TripAdvisor yay success not for the reason we bought it way back when and then we did do like hey a, a much more strategic decision that We'd like to get into restaurant reservations and attraction and experience reservations, bookings. We could build it, of course. Yep. But no, there's several companies out there that were already doing a pretty darn good job. And we already had traffic. We already had e-commerce expertise. And so layer that on, good synergies, two excellent acquisitions. Yep. For us. I, I remember in the UK, one of the things that I suddenly noticed the exposure um, forgive me if I've got the name wrong. It was a it was a Facebook uh, game. Was it Where I've Been? Yeah, something oh, yeah. like that. And people just started playing it in my kind of network, yeah. and then that kind of logically that raised your awareness almost by I don't know if it was by accident or design, but it was a really hugely viral game. Did you, did you have a lot of other luck with things like that? Uh, so Where I've Been was uh, was not ours. It was by a, another team or it was another company. And all of a sudden, they parlayed this Facebook API thing that I kind of didn't even know a lot about at the time into this massively viral people putting on the travel map. And we thought, shit, what are we going to do about this? And we reached out to them. They weren't in a sell mode or even a talkative mode. I'm like, all right, we're going to build our own. And I'm really proud of the company because at the time we said, all right, what are we going to do about this? We had a ton of other priorities, but we carved out a small squad 
and within two weeks had our version of Cities I Visited cities out I visited. in the That's Facebook the Marketplace, the one, yeah. which surpassed where I've been at yeah. some point. All of it didn't turn out to be a game changer over Facebook is now going to be overtaking TripAdvisor. That never panned out. But you can't always predict these things in advance. And so yeah. being able to make the moves quickly is something I think every company needs to be able to yeah. do. So I wanted to segue both of these, actually, my question and your, your, your answer there. Um, a trend has seemed to be, I, I noticed in all your acquisitions, community kept on coming up, uh, like uh, various communities and, uh, that you were trying to, uh, it seemed like it might be an alternative customer acquisition model. Um, I think there's a big question of uh, Google and SEO and being dependent on Google and SEO. And um, were some of these acquisitions, like, how, how do you think about that? And were some of these acquisition uh acquisitions kind of attempts to figure out an alternative source of traffic like social with the where where I've been competitors, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, great, great question. I wouldn't say, I mean, I can't really point to any that were done for the traffic acquisition. Yeah. They were all kind of done with, hey, we think our current travelers would like this functionality, would like this new thing. Every trail, great hiking, user-generated trail, stuff. Yeah. Hey, fun! You're going to reel work. off lots of names here. Go. Go. No, right, lots Trip of Bod them. Tripod was another one, wasn't it? Tripod was the biggest and, community one I, think yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. that that was a, a really fun crowdsourced itinerary yeah. guide, uh, special guided pieces that like nice product, still live on the site in its you know new incarnation. Uh, may yet come back and play an even bigger role. But the beauty of doing a bunch of small acquisitions, if you're set up to, 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 if you are set up for them, is that it's okay if a bunch of them don't work out as planned. If one of them was, uh, I forget the name of this one, but like we bought it and three months later it was dead, the Wonderfly. entire team was gone. Was it Wonderfly? Uh, Could have been. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Doesn't that say something that you can't remember yeah, the name of it? Because yeah. you, well, you did go through a period of, make, of making quite a few acquisitions. We did a bunch of acquisitions. It was it was it was a fun team and, and a great product. Sometimes they don't work out, and even though we spent whatever we spent on it, a it wasn't a lot, and b the cost of failure was an opportunity cost of those three months. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. We made a bunch of bets. We uh, every trail turned out not to work as a. Uh, user-generated hiking trails, mm. but became our app development center. And they produced the first version of the trip, the entire TripAdvisor app. Thank goodness. Yeah. And so, well, not everything works out as planned, but uh, the only ones I regret are the ones that took a long time to go. Right. And um, if we can wind back a little bit, I mean, after you started seeing the, the, the success of the, the B2C site, Obviously, the board would have been happier then, and you weren't talking to them about when you were going to die, and everything was all growth. But so, when did the kind of the funding parts, new funding parts, kind of come in? Was that quite quickly from investors and things? I, did they take notice and go, "Okay, this this is the real no, deal"? No. Kind of by the time we raised a down round uh, after nine eleven, before we had figured out how we were going to uh, to survive, we needed a little bit more money just just to kind of keep the lights on. And then once we turned profitable, we, we didn't need to take any more money after yeah. that. The business was scaling just fine. All the acquisitions uh, were all entirely self-funded. Okay. And 
I, I, I don't I don't know the reasons why I'm going to ask. I mean, what was the, you, you had a co-founder in Langley and then Langley left the business. Can I ask why was that? And um, how did you feel then? Because as you said at the beginning, he was the one who was going to go out and raise money. He was the, 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 the money guy kind of thing. And all of a sudden it was down to you. Sure. So he left after we were acquired by Expedia. Yep. So money, and we were way profitable, so money was no longer an issue. He was still running press and business development and partnerships. And he said, hey, I love it, but like, I want to go do my own thing now. And I said, yeah, of course. You did a fantastic job helping to grow TripAdvisor. Uh, and to this day, I, I sit on the board of his company, CarGurus. Yeah. So, yeah, great friends and people move on. It's it's a little... it's. I think a little less surprising that he moved on to do something else and more surprising that I've stayed all these years. So. Well, that, that, that's, <laughs> you, you've kind of talked yourself into the next question really then. So, I mean, how, and I'm conscious of our time. So, um, why have you stayed on uh, 20 years next year? Yeah, I've, I've told people uh, who have asked a similar question that, you know, I, I will move on for one of two reasons. The board asks me to move on or I no longer see a really interesting challenge ahead. Right? I, I, I'm so fortunate that I don't have to work. Uh, but I love the opportunity to help you know, the next billion people figure out how to make the most of, of their trip. We're not like in optimization mode, figuring out how to get another percent or two, or you know, we're not trying to find just one more market to expand into or gosh does anyone have any ideas for other stuff we could do we're running dry here said nobody ever at TripAdvisor so we have our financial opportunities our challenges our pressures you know in early days it never would have occurred to me to think that I would be competing with 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 Expedia or with Google I'm like oh my god those were a gazillion times our size and I partner with them now, but we're all interested in helping the traveler. So we're all competing for that first interest, for that loyalty of the traveler. Where is that traveler yeah. going to start? And I think for you know, a one-night stay in New York tomorrow night, eh, probably not coming to TripAdvisor for that. I don't have enough value. For the week in Cancun or the week in Paris, I think I offer way more value than anyone else. How do I improve upon that? And how do I make sure everyone understands the value that we already provide? Yeah. That's one last question for you, Rafa. Yeah, 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 it's um, So I just, this question is a little bit more big vision. I, I think um, uh, you operates in mobility, and we've seen a lot of these super apps pop up where everyone wants to be everything for urban services. And I actually ran into one uh, major tourism and activities provider told me they want to be the super app of local destination services. And uh, I feel like you you mentioned yourself in the same sentence as Expedia and Booking.com, but uh, you guys are much more destination focused than either of them are. Uh, what is your vision? Uh, is it around destination services first and foremost? Uh, is it around being more like Expedia and Booking or what? It's around helping people plan a considered trip with the advice and counsel and booking uh, helped by people like themselves. So, you know, who's going to do the best at giving you a ticket to the Eiffel Tower? Lots of people can do that, including Google, Expedia, booking, any OTA, any experienced OTA or TripAdvisor. Who can really 
help you make the most out of that week-long trip or that long weekend, that special event, I think we stand the best chance of anyone given the assets that we have. All the information, all of the people that have invested in themselves to offer the reviews and the advice, our rich forum community so that if the answer isn't there, you can ask and somebody's going to answer. And we're kind of unique in that Sometimes we call it a category one, unique in that part of the ecosystem. Unfortunately for us, that's a really big part of the travel ecosystem. We do well there, we're good. We get dragged down to a, a pure commodity hotel booking or a commodity ticket to the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, that's, that's not a good place for us to play. I, I one last question from me. Um, you know, 35 startups have been pitching in here today. If you could... I know it's a, it's, a, it's a very standard question, but I don't think I've heard you answer it before. If you could give a startup one single piece of advice, what would it be? I can't be two. It can't be just one, and it's going to be a little a little trite. I hear a lot of great ideas mm-hmm. where people haven't thought through enough. Who's actually going to write the check that's going to keep you in business? And the old adage, I view it as an old adage of, well, if we just have enough people, things will work out. Facebook's adage, you know, it did for them, clearly. But the number of companies that can achieve that level of scale based upon a product that's released, pretty darn few. Everyone else, I strongly recommend the, like, yeah, who's covering your payroll after and number of years. Yeah. Is it consumers? Is it a business? If it's a business, what types of businesses? What's the size? Uh, it's very excited, and I think of myself more of a product guy than a sales guy. It's very exciting to think about all the benefits of the product. So check, I'm, I'm sure you're on stage, you got a great product idea. Yeah. Ask yourself who's gonna pay for it. Okay, all right, there we go. Right. So, okay. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Thanks. Steve. Oh, Cowell, my pleasure. Trip advisor. Enjoy it very much. Uh, this has been uh, another episode of How I Got Here, a special episode on video this time. Uh, we'll be back to normal service with audio uh, in the next episode. So thank you very much again, Steve. Nice to see you. We've done quite a few of these. We've not actually done well. any. We've done yeah. any together. We've done these over 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 audio. So it's nice to see you in, in person, Likewise. David. We'll see you again soon. Right. Thanks again, Steve. Thank and you very thanks much. So much, everyone. Else. listening to how i got here podcast we'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation check mozio.com slash move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages and get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com see you next week